we're talking about um, rape culture, uh, sexual assault in the music industry. Um, actually, there was a Chicago Tribune article released on March 29, 2017 by Jesse Rohde that actually put Our Music, My Body at the forefront after they had conducted a survey from festival and music goers about how they want to feel safer in the scene and what makes them feel unsafe. And it was found that more than 92% of females have experienced harassment in music venues or at music festivals. So that's sort of what we want to address, especially with a lot of different things that have happened in the past few months when it comes to sexual assault, rape, and harassment in our music industry. So we want to thank you guys for coming on out and having this discussion with us. Welcome to Emo Social Club Podcast, <laughs> episode three-ish. Uh, so today we are interviewing uh, Our Music, My Body uh, to discuss uh, the whatever we're discussing. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we're welcoming Matt and Maggie from Our Music, My Body. Uh, do you guys just want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Uh, we said that we might ask some questions of ourselves, but then I immediately said I don't want to do that. <laughs> Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, uh, Matt, why don't you go first and just tell us your name, uh, what you do. And, uh, I guess we'll go with karaoke song. <laughs> I'll think of a better one by the time it gets to me. Uh, my name is Matt Walsh. Uh, I'm the co-campaign coordinator of Our Music, My Body, as well as a prevention educator at Between Friends, which is a domestic violence agency in Chicago. So I primarily go to middle schools and high schools and talk about dating um and my go-to karaoke song is probably zero by the smashing pumpkins <laughs> whoa <laughs> game time decision i yeah, appreciate I've, I've, that i don't want to sang it to you like that is true ago. that is true <laughs> it's like i got to do it yeah um which is why i don't believe you when you say you don't do karaoke no karaoke uh so my name is maggie arthur i uh also lead our music my body with matt and in addition to that, I am a prevention educator with Resilience, the agency formerly known as Rape Victim Advocates. Uh, we are arguably the biggest rape crisis agency in Chicago. Uh, and I spend similarly a lot of my time with little kids talking about um, consent and their bodies. And um, I handle in our music, my body, a lot of the like volunteer um, and uh, training and stuff. And my go to karaoke song lately has been uh, Mother by Danzig. There you go. Um, Does your mom know that? (laughs) I'm sure she would be really proud. I mean, we don't really have to introduce ourselves, but what's up? <laughs> hey, we're still the kids from Emo Social Club. Yeah. Lizzie, what do you sing at karaoke? Oh, man. When my friends allow me to stay long enough to sing for karaoke, when we go out, uh, I usually go for uh, All Time Lows, Dear Maria, Count Me In, or literally any Fall Out Boy song, because that's the only thing that I can perfectly scream sing and not fuck up. Uh, and I'm Brian and I uh, have a band, so I do karaoke all the time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so my, wait, my life is 
<laughs> my life is actual I karaoke. I love that he lives and breathes karaoke. I'm in a cover band. I feel like that is karaoke. <laughs> I will sell myself very short for the majority of my talents. <laughs> We're proud so, of you. Uh, well, yeah, uh, guys, welcome to our third podcast. So um, this is our first interview with guests. Uh, and today I, I, we wanted to have you guys on this episode because our previous episode, we talked a bit about the Me Too movement, um, how the movement hasn't really garnered a ton of attention within the music industry as far as these artists are being called out for what they do, but they aren't necessarily being shut out of the music industry in the same way that the movie industry or uh, the TV industry has uh, with people like Harvey Weinstein or Louis CK, who's been in the news all this week as well. So, um, you know, there, there are people within those industries that have been shut out from their careers. And everyone said that these people are no longer allowed to, to keep their jobs. But we haven't necessarily seen the same thing within the music industry. Um, I think last week we brought up Chris Brown, uh, R. Kelly, um, uh, what's his name? Ronnie Radke. Yeah, Ronnie uh, Radke, um, William Francis from yeah. Aiden and William Control. So these are, these are musicians who people still listen to. Um, I guess one that, that is that probably the main one that's affected the emo culture uh, from being a huge uh, icon in it to becoming sort of like, I don't know if he's a pariah. I don't know where we really stand on it, but uh, Jesse Lacey from Brand New uh, was a really big story when it happened that all of a sudden the, the Me Too movement had hit sort of closer to a, a smaller group of people, a smaller subculture. Um, and, and yet whenever we go and play shows or when you're at an event uh, where there's a DJ playing emo music, people still request Brand New. And of course, a lot of people don't play it anymore, but there's still fans of their music. There's still fans of Jesse Lacey who want to hear their music. And I mean, we sort of felt like that's done, but apparently there are still fans of music of people who have sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, uh, you know, solicited minors and those sort of things. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on like why the music industry doesn't necessarily want to cancel these, these people want to want to say that you aren't allowed, we're not going to play your music anymore. We're done with you you know, fired from your job or fired from your role or anything like that? Um, yeah, it's rape culture. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, a lot of times when we talk about these things, like folks want to know, like, what do they all have in common? Like, what are they, you know, how are they all like these monsters or whatever? And it's like, there's no such thing as like, I don't know, like a predator gene or something. It, what they have in common is that they all exist within this culture and the society that has chosen to, chosen to ignore it their acts um, or even excuse them or laugh them off um, and simultaneously chosen to uh, ex like blow off the people who are accusing them um, and to and sort of focus their their negative energy on the folks who've been harmed instead um, and arguably TV and movies and all that are existing in that same culture um, you're absolutely right. Somehow musicians kind of get a pass because I think a lot of times they have this like, you know, bad boy image or whatever. And so it's like, oh, well, that's expected. And also to the the women who are affected by that, like they put themselves in that position or they um, allowed themselves to be that close to them or whatever. It's like this this understanding that like they're going to be bad, you know, so don't put yourself in the line of fire. 
And we like oftentimes are thinking about this like power dynamic as well that uh, these celebrities like have this power and how are they influencing other people and how are they pressuring other people and how are they continuing to silence other people? And I think with musicians, we so often are like, oh, well, like this is their life, but then they're in this band and it's like, we're really doing this, like separating them, like the art from the person, which is all this like bullshit, especially when you listen to like various artists and they are singing about relationships. Like, it's not like we're like, I'm like singing about, I don't know, whatever. And then I'm doing this like harmful thing. It's like, no, like you're singing about these relationships and you have this vision of what a relationship is that is harmful. And you're continuing to perpetuate these ideas of like stalking and pressuring and being harmful and this like inequality that goes completely ignored. People are like, oh, I can just sing along to this because within rape culture, we see these views of like jealousy and stalking and predatory behavior as cute or positive because it's like oh well if you call me a hundred times it's because you really care about me not because you are creepy or like doing something that is controlling because this is all about like power and control and like that's the baseline so how would you we've used rape culture a large term that we've heard a lot recently how would you define that and how would you also define Oh, sexual assault as just an overall definition like definite definition like when i was in college we started having to do sexual assault and rape modules that were like two to four hours long to that helped us understand what rape yes or no was and at least for me because this was when it started to develop a little bit more as a larger awareness there was people who were saying, even if you are in a relationship and you say yes first, but then you say no later because something made you uncomfortable, that is still technically rape or assault, which a lot of myself and my friends were not aware of. So how would you put a better definition to it so people understand? Because I also got a lot of people who came up to me and said, I, I think that's stupid. That is not rape. And it's like, mm, well, that sounds like it, though. Now in this new perspective, it sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> the <laughs> definition, because um, this is literally, literally my job, um, the, the definition of rape culture that I use a lot when I'm teaching um, is a, a culture or community that chooses to excuse or ignore sexual violence. Um, you have anything you would add to that? I think that that's like the basic definition, but if you like want examples of it, it's like what we were just saying. It's like where... A movie like it, when I was growing up, we were always like in all of my like gender studies classes, we were like shown Twilight, where mm. it's like like the guy is just sort of like throwing himself on the uh, the woman, and we're just supposed to be like, oh, that's cute. Where it's like, no, this is not appropriate. There's no consent there. So, what rape culture does is normalizes these views of relationships and the views of behavior to think that it's like okay. And we're like forgetting that there's that consent needs to take place when you're like crossing somebody's like physical or emotional boundaries. Yeah. I mean, like every single movie that has a sex scene, it's just like you're like thrown against a wall and there's heavy breathing and, and it's all happening so fast. And and like not only is that not realistic just in general, but also <laughs> that's like really glorifying the absence of consent. Yeah. 
Um, it's making the lack of consent look like hot, um, which is problematic. And then like kids learn that. And then that's what they think is supposed to happen. Um, and I can't tell you how many times like I've been in a classroom where like a student has something has said something to that effect of like, well, that it would be like weird if I asked beforehand, like it would ruin it. I'm like, I, you know, but what about like when you just have a vibe or whatever, it's like, it's all, and it's not coming from like their, you know, brain it's coming from there like consuming all of these images and what we like what we typically say in the classroom is like what would be worse like uh like asking someone and then saying no and like feeling a little uncomfortable or asking or like or not asking and just like going in for the kiss or the whatever and then pulling away and being like "Ooh, gross i did not want to do that at Mm -hmm. all and like then it like begins to start shifting in their brain and these conversations about consent and like what our music, my body does and what like myself and Maggie teach in the world. Um, it's about this like culture shift. Like we know that when we say consent or like rape culture for the first time, it's not like, boom, we're fixed. <laughs> it's like there, there needs to be these constant conversations within the home, within the classroom, within the community to be changing this. Yeah. And also in the music scene. Yeah. The music festivals and venues. And I would, the only thing I would add that to add to that too, is that like people's perceptions of like when we, they hear rape culture or hear rape, even they're like, like that's, that's, I don't want to talk about that. That's gross. That's separate from me. Like people's perceptions of like who can um, cause that sort of harm is like this, like, I don't know, image of like this monster. And in reality, the people who are causing harm are the people we know and love. And they're part of the reason they're getting away with it is because we don't see them as a monster, right? We don't, they don't fit the the image. And also too, because we have a lack of understanding around consent. Just like what you were saying, like this idea that like consent is this or that is like not realistic to our human experiences most of the time. And so then that leaves like a lot of confusion. Um, and so part of the culture shift too is acknowledging like everyone is capable of causing harm, just like everyone is capable of being harmed. And like, what's more important is thinking about like, how do we do the right things so that we're not hurting each other anymore? I think that makes sense. (laughs) It's a good broad definition and like better, you know, explanation of it for a lot of people. I feel that's really helps it because I know there's a lot of people out there who think, oh, it's always one, a man. And that's totally false women anybody of any type of gender is able to cause this harm to anybody yeah that was what we saw this week i i feel like the me too movement has been primarily in movies and that and that we you know talking about it as a music thing it is more uh towards people that are going to music festivals and 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 happening to them there rather than celebrities and other celebrities you know uh with the Ozzy Argento stuff that's been coming out this week and sort of the, the, the culmination of people that are speaking out against people who have, have sexually assaulted. And now it's like, oh, but she also sexually assaults and saying, but two things can be negative at the same time. You don't have to say that this person's putting themselves above everyone else because they've been sexually assaulted. They're saying, hey, I was sexually assaulted. And then finding out that she was sexually assaulting someone else is not necessarily to say that her sexual assault was okay that Harvey Weinstein raping her was not okay just because she also reacted in that way. Uh, but I, I guess, yeah, I, I think that maybe that there's a, a sort of disconnect between the fact that it is celebrities and maybe even seen as like a, a tabloid article saying 
these are what celebrities are doing and it's happening to celebrities and the Me Too movement is kind of focused on that. Even though, of course, the Me Too movement started with a woman who's almost never talked to anymore about the Me Too. Exactly. Um, But then can we just name who that is? Yeah. See, that's the problem. Is like I've heard it it all week. It was Asia Argento and Rose McGowan, and but because Rose McGowan also had, I think she was charged with like like cocaine possession Mm -hmm. and went to rehab. Everyone was like, "Oh, she just must be fueled on drugs and saying things." Yeah. So that's pretty much how it. But to. Tanara Burton. Yeah, Tanara Burton. Yeah. Tarana. Tarana Burton. See, I'm, I'm like, I feel bad because I've heard her name so much this week, like reading about and hearing about Ozzy Argento's subject, and that people are saying that Ozzy Argento and Rose McGowan were like the spokeswomen of the Me Too movement. And then them saying, well, no, it was this woman, Tanara Burton. Tarana Burton. Tarana Burton. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to the audience. <laughs> It's like we all are like learning and growing and mm-hmm. like it's important to recognize that like specifically that this uh this is a woman of color that has been mm-hmm. pushed off to the side and yeah like so to be like hey i don't actually know this name but i know that we're missing something is part of that conversation yeah yeah, yeah. and i mean <coughs> the the fact that like when she um i don't even want to say like created because that wasn't her like her purpose was not to get mm-hmm. attention around it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Her purpose was to build community among individuals like in real life. Mm-hmm. And so that also creates like another interesting layer of like, now it's like all over the media and everybody's mm-hmm. talking about it and all this. And was, is, is her purpose really being fulfilled? You know, right. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like from hearing her in interviews and stuff, like she's, happy about it she's happy mm-hmm. that there's like bigger community but you know who knows if that was like how she imagined her life because mm-hmm. now also too no matter what she does in her life she will always be like the one who did the me too thing yeah. you know so like that that's True. a whole other thing i know that she's uh she's been asked for a lot of commentary on the Ozzy argento rose mcgowan stories that have been mm-hmm. coming out lately and of course uh, I believe her statement was to say that sexual assault, sexual harassment in any form is wrong, is should be, you know, we should be listening to victims who say that I was sexually harassed. I was, you know, raped by this person. And I think that's where she's mostly pushing it, uh, pushing the conversation rather than saying, you know, making it this tabloid. Fair, you right. Know, where she's not she's not naming names. She's <laughs> saying a broad generalization. Right. 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 Um, so on the topic of the Me Too movement, uh, how has or has your message uh, changed in the way that you communicate, you know, what you're communicating about the music industry to people? Uh, has it changed anything about how you're, you're speaking about it? Has it changed any, any part of your message? So for us, the Me Too movement it was just this like normalization, this like public normalization of sexual violence that we have been seeing daily like yeah we're like oh oh cool like like, oh like hi like we've been here we've been telling you about this like thanks for finally listening um so i think that the me too movement for us is just like another way to be like hey so you know that that thing that everyone's now talking about this like buzzwordy thing Mm -hmm. like we're here to help it's like we were actually here three years ago but you weren't listening to Mm -hmm. us because you didn't think it was a problem. So yeah. for us, it's not, it's like just sort of like a key to like get into like open another door. But we have knowing about this, we've been, I'm going to keep going with this like 
door metaphor, but like we've been not <laughs> we, like we've been knocking on people's doors, like yeah. being like, hey, like we're ready to talk about this. We want to talk about this. Um, and I think the one thing with the Me Too movement is now like the cause and effect is like festivals, like or venues, like three or four years ago, where we're like, we don't have this problem. And we're like, we think you do. They're like, wow. well, we haven't heard about it. And then now that the Me Too movement has like normalized it and made people feel more comfortable talking about the violence that they're experiencing, you'll hear from festivals like, oh, we did just have this report. And they're like, all right, now who do we call? What do we do? So like, we want it to be preventative. We want to be there. And some festivals or some venues are now definitely more reactive to this issue. Well, like even The Guardian back in 2017 wrote a report about the Swedish festival called Brazilla. And they had over 27 sexual assaults during their one weekend. So from like a Friday to Sunday, and they just straight up canceled it because they couldn't figure out what to do. So, but I see at least here, we see you guys going to different music festivals. Like you guys just went to Firefly Music Festival and you guys did Lollapalooza and you did Riot Fest last year and you're going back to Riot Fest this year too. Yeah, we'll be there. Awesome. So I think it's really good to that you guys are being able to say this is what you're supposed to do. So music festivals aren't like, oh my God, this happened. We're just going to straight up cancel because we didn't think about this. Yeah. And I feel like that is a really great example of when you choose to like just blatantly ignore a problem (laughs) and then you can't anymore. And their reaction is just like, whoa, what's happening? Like, what do we do? We have to cancel this because like we never saw this coming. And instead of understanding like this problem has existed and does exist. And so like prepare yourself to deal with it when it, when it, you know, bubbles to the surface, which is what we are trying to do. (laughs) And it's important to name that so many of these festivals are just run by men and like primarily white men. And like, we know that men like myself included or like, have ignored this issue, don't realize that this is a problem and it's just like, oh, well, this is a woman's issue. Like, and oftentimes women don't feel comfortable going to men because they aren't going to like be supportive. So then that happens. So men are like, oh, I didn't know about this. And it's like, no shit, you didn't know, know about this because you like haven't created a space for women to feel comfortable mm-hmm. in your workplace to come and be like, hey, I'm worried about this thing. So that is another reason that it's like part of that rape culture conversation um, and these gender roles that we're trying to actively challenge. Yeah. I dudes have this perception that like, if they're not actively contributing to the harm, then they're good dudes. And And, yeah. And it's like, that's just not, that's just not true. Like in order to be, to really feel like you are absolved from this problem, you have to be like shouting from the mountaintop. That is the problem. As well as just, like, not being a creep. (laughs) Literally. Level one, don't be a jerk. And level two is actually support the people who are, like, trying to do the work. And we see that a lot, at least in the emo scene now, finally, is that we have men on stage. And because this is primarily still a white-dominated genre, they're saying, hey, like, don't do this. If this happens, come and talk to security talk to someone like our merch person and we'll get it taken care of. And it's really good that they're finally taking some type of initiative because these are also people who are unfortunately going to be heard first before anybody else, it seems, because you can say, 
oh, I'm a girl and I was sexually assaulted, like dead ass this happened, or be like, mm, but what were you wearing? What did you do? But if a white guy were to say it, they'd be like, oh my God, he must be telling the truth miraculously. And then they'll listen to them more. So, I mean, that's an unfortunate reality, I feel, in our society. But I also think we need to say that more and be like, listen, you guys have more of a listening range than we do. You really need to be able to take this torch and help us project this further and then step back when it comes to a point where, you know, women, POCs, anybody else, gender, you know, non-binary are able to be seen in this forefront and be like, okay, I need to be taken seriously now. And it's because these white male men in these dominant positions have, you know, taken the time out to be supportive and to say, I'm going to help you guys. And I think that's a large thing that people aren't open to because they said, oh, I want to be heard. And it's like, okay, but we need the assistance of these people at this point in time, unfortunately. It's just the reality of it. So what do we do? <laughs> so do that you, they don't have to be the one. I guess on that topic too, I mean, maybe this is my assumption, but do you guys have a lot of men coming to you as a resource for what they can do? I mean, I know that obviously, Matt, you're you're doing your part for all white men. <laughs> That's that amazing. Nice. I'm holding up all the white men. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. We're failing. <laughs> Fuck oh, 100%. 100% <laughs> we are failing. Um, but, I mean, do men come to you guys? Like, do men come to you and they say, hey, I want to be an advocate. I don't want to just not be a creep at shows. I want to come and, and volunteer. I want to join you guys. I want to be a part of this fight with you. Like, do straight white men really, like, are they coming out of their, their, their position of power? I put in quotes. You can only see it on the video version but i'm putting quotes because i don't think it's a fake power but um are 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 men are white men saying like yes i'm gonna become a part of the solution and not just be uh uh, standing in the back and saying i didn't see anything or i'm not going to be that person so therefore everything is okay we are definitely primarily the people that are coming to our table are women and i like the people that are engaging with this conversation are women we 100% have men come by and they're like, this is interesting. I care about this. I want to do something. Um, but our volunteer base is pri- primarily women. Um, but it's, it is a slow growing process. It's like, I'm talking to the men in my life about this and they know that they can like come to me and talk to them. Um, it's like a, a weird, unfortunate thing that a lot of like our volunteers, like male partners are like oh like i am like because i've heard my partner talk about this all the time like now i'm interested because it like it's like the what is like matt damon or ben affleck who's like oh my god my i can't believe this would happen to my daughter it's like mm-hmm. it's like men should not have to realize that like they need to like love like that they love or that came from a woman that like therefore <laughs> that that like that is the justification of being I learned good to that women. women exist so and i guess I came through and I said, what's up? Um, but so I, I brought myself and, and my, my junk here. Uh, Cause I learned that women exist. I care now. Um, but so I think it's a longer process, but we're talking to men like, and I hope that like, as we are continuing to engage that more men will show up. Uh, 
to be discussing this issue. We have like men buy t-shirts and like they're down, but it's just a longer, it's a longer process and it's a longer thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, um, it's, we're in like a challenging position right now where, uh, I do want to like sort of, I don't know, celebrate when dudes come up and they're like, I want to buy your shirt. I want to like spread your message. This is so great. And they get really hyped. Like, I want to be like, yes, please do this. But then at the same time, I, I don't want to celebrate it. Cause I'm like, you should just be doing this. Like you shouldn't, you don't, <laughs> right. you almost don't deserve for me to like hype you on this. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you don't know? need congratulations anymore. Yeah. Like any person that's like comes up and they're like, wow, Matt, you're really doing this. It's like, like, all right, cool. Like, I don't feel like that. It doesn't make me feel validated. I'm just like, all I right. Like, I feel yeah. like everyone should be doing this because yeah. uh, this is how you not be a shitty person. Uh-huh. Like high-fiving someone for doing their basic human job. Literally. Like, exactly. <laughs> no, that's exactly like, it. Whoa, you held the door open for an older lady? Yeah. Good job. Like, no, I should do that. That'd be rude. <laughs> you got out of bed, brushed your teeth, and advocated against sexual violence against women. Congratulations. You're a person. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just. Yeah. And, like, also, too, like, let's be real, like, non, like, cis white dudes don't get the same congratulations for mm-hmm. doing this work. Like, the same shit with, like, parenting. Like if you're, like, if you're oh, a yeah. male who's, like, carrying, like, carrying the kid around or, like, mm-hmm. pushing the stroller or doing anything, it's, like, like, the cute dad stuff. It's, like, how often are we being, like, yo, it's a cute mom. Like, yeah. like it's, well, like, the, like, dad bod is, like, a cute oh, yeah. funny thing. Yeah. And mom yeah. bod is, like. It's like, how dare she not immediately be a size zero as soon as she just had this child and has been caring for it for like three months. That's a good plug for that Beyonce uh, Vogue article, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Beyonce had like really good statements about like motherhood and mm-hmm. uh, like bouncing back from pregnancy and, like, the and real- embracing her body. Yeah, and the realness of bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What about bodies? Let's talk about Beyonce. Oh my God, Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce, one of the top punk rock artists of all time. Oh yeah, <laughs> She is raising all of her children in a genderless environment, though. I did just read an article about that this morning. Hmm. And she's vegan. So, so good for Beyonce because I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't sing that good either. Even in karaoke. Um. <laughs> Even in your band. I think it was one show we actually like our guitarist I think started playing Crazy in Love and I was like that's a bop cut that shit out <laughs> and then you're, you're like, wrong blah, 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 blah. I know uh, listen he understands he can never you be as good as I was intimidated I was like I'm not gonna do the the full job that I need to do here I can't yeah. I cannot yeah. achieve the, the 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 level of success that you want me to achieve right now <laughs> You're putting me in a position where I cannot succeed, and I would prefer to be in a position of playing Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card again. So that's, that's, where, that's where you do like the true like emo, like hardcore thing where you like throw the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, You're do like, it. I can't. I you need your assistance. <laughs> Can I hear you? <laughs> Are you crazy in love, motherfuckers? Anyway, <laughs> um, like, you said yes. <laughs> you said, yeah, here you your go. turn now. Consent. <laughs> <laughs> I just take to my bed real quick. And that's what consent is. Ah, oh, goddamn. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. 
I'm glad that we can have at least a little bit of like off topic laughter and like, hey, let's get back to it. So this anyway, is our lives. I we're mean, down. constantly yeah, I joking. <laughs> See, and I'll I'll say like, you know, as straight white man, uh, you know, this isn't a conversation that I necessarily have all of the time as, you know, somebody who I always worry when you're like, oh, I'm not a creep. I've never done this stuff. And then it's like the Curb Your Enthusiasm songs. They like post like a bunch of tweets and shit. It's like, oh, yeah. no, I like haven't, but like also like don't go through my Twitter. <laughs> it's like find something. I'm about to be James Gunned. So oh my God. <laughs> I, pro- I promise I'm trying to do better. I think that mm-hmm. like we are living in a society where it's like you are like so afraid to saying like, hey, I made a mistake and you're actually taking ownership over it. Cause it's like so many people are just like, well, yeah, fuck you. I did say that. And they're like, like, no, just like be like, yeah, I'm like, I'm growing. I'm changing. When I was 16, I did dumb shit. Like I have like I maybe I've been rude to a partner. I've maybe I've been disrespectful, like and own it and say like, hey, I'm trying to get better because like we are not like myself, like like I am growing and changing and trying to be a better person. Like shout out to going to therapy. Like, hey, <laughs> Woo-hoo. everyone should go to therapy. Find your local cool therapist. Um, but like we need to create those spaces of like moving and changing and being willing to hold yourself accountable because when you if you're unwilling to hold yourself accountable, no one else is gonna do it. Like if I fuck up and don't believe that I fucked up, Maggie's not gonna be willing to be like, oh, like I'm gonna like mm-hmm. yeah. Well- And that also, I feel, goes into the effect of, like, cancel culture, where you see a lot of people who are like, oh, I said, they, like, dig up tweets from when these people were, like, 15 or 16. And then they're like, oh, no, this person's about to lose all their sponsorships because of something they said, like, literally 10 years ago. And they're like, I am a significantly different person. And I've seen that happen where people own it, but they're still canceled. Like, how do you feel like we should be really reacting to that? Yeah, I feel like that's like a quick lesson in accountability. Just like uh, kicking somebody out of a community or um, whatever, a school, (laughs) um, is not going to help them understand why what they did was wrong. Um, So, you know, sort of step one in accountability is naming the harm. Step two is uh, acknowledging how you affected that person or that community, whatever it is. And then step three is making some commitments to change your behavior. And if you if your response as a community is like, okay, you're done, you're out, you're canceled, you are not giving that person any opportunity to actually be accountable. In fact, you're making it easier for them to just be like, well, they're all dicks and I did nothing wrong ever. And, you know, screw them. And then to just continue to do that harm like elsewhere. Like, I feel like as someone who grew up in, you know, DIY punk music and stuff, like in a small scene, I saw that over and over and over, just like people being terrible. And then they just move and go be terrible somewhere else. And it just goes on forever. And so I think what has also happened with like the Me Too movement or all of these things is that we have pushed all of this stuff together. So Mm -hmm. like, the harm that Aziz Ansari like committed is different than the harm that Louis C.K. committed. They both need to be taking a step back and holding themselves accountable, but those look differently. Like if you were, if it feels safer to push out like the abuser who's being violent, like you need to protect yourself first. But 
that is different than when someone tweets something that's harmful 10 years ago. And but we need to be like learning and educating ourselves about what we want to do and how we feel safe and comfortable at these various things. Like this person can be shitty in one way and in a different way. And those responses need to be learned to be different because we can't, when we lump everyone in together, we are not, not growing. Like, because we're not being like, Oh, well, how is this going to change? And how are we supporting this person? And how are we doing this? Because with like, a lot of the cancel culture or all that, like the call out culture, how often are we listening to the survivor and them saying like, Hey, like I, I just want to know that like when this person is going to come to this bar, like, like that's what I want. Like I am not trying to get them to like lose their job or anything like this. I just want them to be away. And also like, like, you know, just plugging it in for the white men. Like, like you keep bouncing back. Like we keep bouncing back. It is not like your life is ruined when one person calls you out. Like, it's not like you're like, you will be fine. Get over it. Like you're going to continue. Like, I'm sorry that you like lost your sponsorship or like people don't like your shows don't sell out anymore. Like you will continue to be fine. Like we need to, that needs to be the first thing. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, Oh, you lost your like Sprite sponsorship. Like, oh, you lost your like reverb sponsor. Like, whatever the fuck it is, it's like you will be fine. Can I plug another podcast on your podcast? Is that sure? Is that no? Gauche? We're competing with everybody. <laughs> no, please do. Please do. <laughs> really, really good episode of the podcast Invisibilia, which is run by NPR, about um, call out culture specifically in Richmond, Virginia, in, like, their DIY punk scene. Oh. Um, it came out maybe, like, two months ago or something. But it's really, really good because it's, like, the interviewer is talking to a person who was pushed out, like, very um, vocally. And also a psychologist who studies, like, what exclusion from your community, like, does to your brain and your health. And so it's a, it's a really interesting perspective. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have, I haven't heard that one, so I'm going to go listen to that. Well, I think something, especially in the past like week or so, where the Orwells, the whole entire incident that came out with them, with like, I think it was like two or three members of their band were soliciting underage sex and were sexually aggressive towards their fans as well. And then also that a Somersault, another indie rock band, where one of their members was accused of being just very aggressively assaulting individuals and they I know Somersault had kicked that member out of the band but it also was worded like we 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 knew but we didn't do anything and we're sorry but he's out of the band so it's okay now and people are still calling them out on it and the Orwells had released a statement saying you know if you're a victim message us privately and let's discuss this (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, um, do you do you understand how victims we, well, no. and uh, we never we never this works like that whole statement is such trash. My, I want you to say what you're saying. I just want to quickly say my favorite part was when he said, "We really encourage anyone who's been uh, victimized to come forward, but also we discourage anyone or people from believing everything they read on the internet." So basically saying like. 
yes, absolutely share your story. But everyone else, like, don't believe that. And, ju- <laughs> and just so you know, to credit who started this movement, it was Twitter user um, Rusty at Riley Emmy. She compiled a whole entire Google Doc on all these allegations and screenshots of images as well from multiple oh, people I didn't who see that. have experienced this. A lot of it mainly coming from their lead singer, Mario Cuomo. So just good job, Rusty. I know that they have been getting a lot of, you know, backlash from it. But, you know, they did the right thing. They're really trying to push forward, you know. So just make sure to you try to be chill with people when it comes to this, especially because the Orwells don't really seem to be taking a lot of responsibility for it whatsoever or at all. Um, I will say shout out to the Twin Peaks dudes because they completely said like, hey, we want to make sure our shows are safe. If you have ever felt like it has never, you know, not been safe, like let's discuss it and we'll try to find a resolution. They completely denounced the Orwells and everyone took down anything that was associated with them that they had worked together on a project as well. So, and I think the other issue is too, is that now people are saying, hey, this, the indie scene here in Chicago is very boys club culture. So it's also calling out saying, hey, you white men, you have to be more aware that this is going on and not just be like, oh, but he's just like that because that's what's been happening with the Orwells and some of these other bands for the last few years. And, you know, it it does bubble up. And now all these accusations are coming out all at once. I just want to go back and just say that, like, we do not ever advocate for putting an abuser and, like, the person who experienced harm in the same room or in the same email thread or whatever. Like, that is not that is not how problems are solved. It's not like because the power dynamics are real and it's not that is not going to fix, fix anything. So just like the, like the Orwell is being like, Oh, well you can email us. It's like, no, it's like bullshit. Like, because like you are going to continue to manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we're like the, with this accountability piece that we're like getting back to is that you need to be willing to like hold yourself accountable for the accountability process to start. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, so like the Orwell's releasing a statement or whomever releasing a statement that's not like accountability. Like, it's not like, all right, like, well, we're now like starting like the accountability clock, like in three months, (laughs) like in In three three months, months, we're good. Like you're good. (laughs) Like that doesn't mean that like, just because like Aziz Ansari or Louis CK like disappear for a little bit or like, who knows when Kevin Spacey will be back or like, he made $126 like last weekend. Yeah. And his opening movie. So, but like, who knows that like when those people are going to be back, but just like being away, as, like also as a celebrity, like you can take time off. Like, yeah. like you can, like you can afford, you to, can take afford, time t- afford yeah. to take time off. If you, so, if you handled your money well, you can definitely yeah. afford to take time off. So it's like that does not equal, like time does not like equal like absolvement of the like crime or whatever. It's yeah. like, how are you actually moving forward? Like who, who has your back and who is like saying that, oh, you have like grown and changed and you're working on this and you cannot like Aziz Ansari probably should not continue to do a show about relationships and love without clearly acknowledging that like violence is taking place. Yeah. I, my, um, my roommate last night, we were talking about Louis CK stuff and I think she put it really well. She was like, 
I'm all for, um, you know, him releasing a statement and acknowledging that he needs to do work. And I'm all for him doing that work. And I think that's great. I just don't think that he should get to make a million dollars anymore. <laughs> she was <laughs> like, I just don't think that he should get to get the the, the privilege of showing mm-hmm. up, up at a place and then being handed a check anymore. Like, I just don't feel like that is that's like out of the cards now, you know? Like, I don't hate him. I don't think he's like a monster, but I just don't think that he should get paid to just exist anymore. Do you think is it I agree with you about the the time thing where it's like I'm gonna take time away? I, I wonder if they think that it's like if it's out of the media for a while, if it, it just, you know, it's out of people's minds. And so they see you again and they're like, ah, oh, he did that thing, but it's like whatever. And I don't know if that's like I don't know how that makes sense to anybody. Uh I agree with you that, you know, I, I saw a lot of things saying like he hasn't released a real apology. He's never really owned up for his actions. I mean, he did at least something where he said, everything is true that these women are saying. And obviously, but he, you know, he never apologized to the victims. He never did really any, uh, anything to, I don't want to say absolve him of it because it's not like he's ever absolved. This is on his record for the rest of his life, but it is, you know, I wonder, and, and I'm asking you guys, cause I don't, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but you know, is there a point at which someone who was doing these things, who, who has caused sexual violence, sexual harassment, uh, who has done this to someone, is there a time where they do get to come back? And that, you know, could be years. It could be after certain actions. It could be, as you're saying, like they do, uh, you know, they, they do something where you can see that they're doing uh, their work to become a better person. Um, but do you feel like there is a time where these people do get to come back? In any in any capacity. Um, that's a big question. That's a big question. No, I don't know how to answer it either. No, so, no, no, like, there's just... there's not a clear cut answer, and there's not like, I think that whether or not someone like can come back, I think that that the feeling is is that they can come back and that they're entitled to everything that they previously mm-hmm. had. So it's like, sure, if you have been abusive, and then you like have the fan base and you have the money to like release another record like i'm that's fine but then like when every like when they're like oh this isn't selling well or oh like you know where are all my fans or oh like i'm gonna do like this press release without ever mentioning like the harm like what i was reading a lot with like the louis ck thing which is like this like current like you know because we're it's like every day like more things come out but like louis ck didn't mention like being away like didn't like enter in and being like hey like i am really like i want to honor all of these like female comics or like i want to do this or i want to do this it's like no i'm just going to show back up like so i have not seen as of yet someone like release a statement take time do the work and then like come back in a more natural sense without this expectation and be like, Hey, some of my fans will never like me again. And that is okay. And like, if you are, if you want to see that I've like grown and changed and stuff, like that's important. Like, but it's up to the fans and you need to be okay with like losing fans. And we want to be very clear that all of these folks who have been called out or most of these folks have, not like gone ahead and admitted that they were wrong before they were called out. Mm -hmm. Like 
what would it look like if an artist is like, hey, I like recognize that in my past I've really done like harmful things and here's all of these significant steps that I'm making and I'm like, I'm not going to release a record for a while, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on me. And so this is like before anything comes out. Right. Like, how are you naming that you were harmful rather than being like, oh, this person, they called me out. Or more like, I got caught. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, more like it caught up to me. Now I have to confront it. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe that is also part of that. The answer to that question is like, how can someone sort of re-enter? Maybe part of that is, um, you know, acknowledging before there's like a huge shit storm around them where they have no choice but to acknowledge. Um, and then committing to do the work uh, from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wish that there was some example of someone who's done it well, but there's just not. I, the only one that comes to mind at all of somebody who kind of came out of it so far has been Dan Harmon, which I think we talked about maybe a couple weeks, a couple episodes ago, where he addressed it to one of the writers that worked on community with him. And she and him you know, there, I don't know if it was direct or what it was, but um, he wrote a, a really long apology where he sort of acknowledged what his actions were and how she she took it and and that he was wrong and that he was going to take some time to sort of acknowledge what he did wrong to her. And she accepted his apology and accepted that, you know, this is somebody who obviously wants to be better and it's no one that I you know uh, want to, I don't know, continue it's it's hard to say because I'm like, I don't know the situation entirely, but from what it seemed like, from what was shown, uh, she had forgiven him for the actions. And, and I don't know all of what had really been done. I think it was more or less just harassment in the workplace. You know, nothing as bad as Harvey Weinstein, like we're saying, like it's not, it's not equal in, in some ways, but at the same time, she felt the way she felt. He acknowledged that her feelings were valid and that he had done wrong. And I don't think that he... He doesn't do as much anyway. Yeah. Mostly I see him on Instagram doing workout videos, which are oh. really funny because he's like bigger dude and he's like trying to get more healthy. Um, but he just kind of said, I'm going to focus on myself and I'm going to, I'm not going to be as, as out there as I was. And uh, we should be listening to victims in the same case and I've done wrong and I'm going to improve myself. Aside from him, I haven't really seen anything. I've mostly just seen men trying and trying to come back from it and, it it seems like everybody is on the same page of saying like you're not there yet. Like you want to come back but you're not ready to yet. I think that's really interesting too because you do have people who they're in that oh, I got caught moment, but then there are also people who are like I legitimately they legitimately sometimes I feel don't know what that what they did was wrong because maybe mm-hmm. they were that young and they just didn't know any better. So I think in that instance, it is like it should have been like a Dan Harmon. I feel like that would be a good reaction for people to be like, hey, I didn't know because I was young or whatever happened. I did stupid shit. I need to go focus and get better on it. I realize now that this is wrong and I need to progress forward. But I think there's also just a lot of situations where people are going to come up and say like it has a variant to it. Because not every single case is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it was, it would make it a little bit easier for us to be like, hey, like, this is how we react to it. But because there's so many like facets to it, I think that's also where it falls up where there's a lot of people who are saying, I don't know, how should I react? Like, this is the correct way. This isn't. And then there's cancel culture. And then you have millions of other people on the internet 
saying their own two cents, whether it's, you know, intelligent or not. So (laughs) I think it's something that we really need to kind of be more transparent towards and be open to hearing different sides of stories as well at the same time. And I think I would also just add to that, like, always, always, always deflect back to the person who was harmed. Um, Because kind of like what you were saying before, Matt, like, um, if the person who was harmed in that situation was like, you know what? Like, they apologized to me. I feel good about it. Like, I don't want to drag them through the dirt. Like, it's cool. Then that sort of, like, reentry process is going to look a lot different, you know? But I think often what ends up happening is that everyone sort of picks up their their pitchforks and their torches against this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person who is actually most affected gets completely, like, washed mm-hmm. out of the, the whole process. Um, and so I think that, like, it also really, really depends on how they feel about it and and how how much exposure they want to have and how much involvement they want to have in the whole process. And what I'm I've been starting to think about is like this these people have friends, these people are in a community, these like uh abusers are not like don't just like crawl out of the woodwork. Like, you know, out we're of the sewer. Yeah, out of the little, <laughs> little dark cave so, hole. So we have a responsibility to be talking to our friends. We have a responsibility to be talking to our community, like first and foremost, like the internet is a thing. Like we all do this, but like, who are your people and who will you be willing to go up to and say like, Hey, I think that you're acting in a harmful manner because most of the folks that have been called out who are being abusive, it's not like this first act of violence like this isn't their first act of violence Mm -hmm. like this is these repetitive acts that have been normalized and no one has said anything and where are we engaging on that because like cool like i hope that some like you know abusers feelings are hurt by their fans like on twitter turning their back on them but like where are their friends saying like hey you fucked up like you are doing this wrong you need to be taking a step back before this gets public before like before these things happen because we want to keep this in the community we want to like you know i care about people enough to like work with them if they are have been called out for being abusive mm-hmm. but that's because i care about them i am not i don't care about like louis ck i don't care about r kelly i don't care about like these like people who are violent because they're not in my community. These are not my friends. These are not like my people. I want to like go to my neighbor. I want to go to my friend. I want to go to my partner. I want to be like, Hey, this, these actions were harmful. What can we do? Like, how can I help you? Because once it like starts getting larger, it's like, well, how are you, how are you like bringing it back to thinking like, how is the person who experienced the violence feeling? Yeah. And also too acknowledging that like sexual violence doesn't happen. Someone doesn't just wake up in the morning and decide they're going to like perpetrate harm. Right. It's all of these little things that sort of add up that make them believe that this is going to be okay behavior to do. Like and thinking about like kind of circling it back to music very specifically when we think about. um, So like 
I will admit that the Jesse Lacey news of brand new was very hard for me because I was a little baby lover of brand new. Yeah. Um, but so when we think about like the fact that like all of their songs, most of their songs are not just about like women who wronged him, but about like explicit accounts of like murdering women who wronged him <laughs> and things about things like yeah. that. And like, so when you write that song and then it sells a bajillion records and then you have everybody in the audience singing it back to you, you're like, oh, so having this idea that I get to like poison any woman who's ever bummed me out is that's cool. We're all we're all co-signing that that's an OK thing and OK, like attitude to have. Great. So then it's just like a tiny step from there to think like, OK, so actually acting out some of this stuff is probably cool, too. Right. Yeah. Cool. OK, so now I'm going to take another tiny step and actually like cause some like serious harm, serious damage. <laughs> right. And that whole process can happen over the course of like and in a person's entire career or it can happen over the course of like one record, you know? And so uh, kind of echoing what Matt was saying, like when there are bands who are putting out songs like that, like being conscious of that stuff and, and thinking about and thinking critically, like, you know, I realize this is just like, these are lyrics and you can like, quote unquote, air quotes, <laughs> um, separate like, you know, the art from the artist or whatever. But like, can you though? Like you, you know, like, does that also mean that you're kind of co-signing on this behavior? Right. And I feel like, for example, the Lelisa Aiden, William Francis, William Control, um, he had huge allegations against him about having a sex cult where he was also grooming underage girls, which is incredibly fucked up. And there's a whole website that shows all this photos, very graphic photos and graphic accounts of him with women or him even with screenshots talking to underage girls and how how manipulative he's going to be. However, his original band came from a horror punk background where you do hear those common like this common theme of like murder and violence and you know telling, you know, just very grotesque type of stories through their lyrics. So, I think it's also is this the right content to be putting into even this music scene, I feel like, at some points as well. Because I know that there's also been examples of the Orwell songs pulled. And they're like, listen to Body in a Bayou. Listen to Halloween all year. And it's like, okay, for me, because I also listen to horror punk, some of these lyrics don't affect me as much, I feel, because I listen to, like, I used to listen to Aiden before this whole thing came out. And I'm like, oh, they're talking about, like, people dying and, like, Elizabeth Bathory and how she like killed people and everything. So for me, that's normal. But I feel for people who, you know, for example, are in that indie scene, they're looking at it and they're like, who the fuck is singing this? When you really look at it, I also think just looking at that and saying, is this the right content to be putting out for these people to consume, especially if they're not used to it? Because I feel like a lot of people are going to negatively react and be like, oh, that's really fucked up. Why are you singing about that, bro? I think like media literacy is so important. Like regardless of what you're watching, what you're finding, like, like music, movies, TV, whatever, like so much of it is fucked up. It's like, how are you navigating it and saying like, cool, like I really like Fast and Furious, like probably not <laughs> promoting all of the best. Do best. I do. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, Fun facts it, here. It's, it's, a, it's a fine series. <laughs> Wonderful series. It's fine. 
So <laughs> family uh, entertainment. Oh my god. Uh, like, what does that mean? Like, you know, are these gender roles like still being perpetuated? Like, what is missing? Mm-hmm. Like, what? And it's okay for me to be like, hey, I'm gonna watch this, but I'm also still gonna be like, wow, that was like fucked up. Like, and you can do that, but it's like when when these things are like constantly arriving and you're like, oh, like over and over and over again, these people have been called out for doing these harmful things or this was like a super like unsafe environment or like harmful environment or anything like you get to choose like when you're going to step back and that it is up to you. And like, I can't make a decision for every person. Like I'm, I'm going to ask the DJ not to play an R Kelly song because I don't want to listen to that. Like, I don't, I'm not going to go watch Woody Allen movies. Like, but if you're, if you're like, yo, this is my favorite movie. I'm going to be like, yeah, Woody Allen's sort of a creep. Yeah. And, and be like, that's it. Like, I'm not, you, you get to pick your battles and you get to decide when you are going to like dig into like being like, this thing is shitty. This thing is shitty because we can go around and be like, you know, I just referenced like Smashing Pumpkins earlier and like yeah. Billy Corgan like clearly created an unsafe environment like in his like music scene mm-hmm. like or in his like band and that culture like I'm going to sing those like zero lyrics but I'm not going to like pay money to like yeah. do anything. So it's like where are you putting your money? Where are you like supporting things? You need to self-reflect because it's not like my my decisions are different than yours. All right, so just to kind of uh, uh, wrap things up here, I want to talk a bit about your organization, uh, Our Music, My Body, and just uh, kind of give our listeners an idea of where to go to support you guys, to volunteer with you. Um, yeah, any, any, anything you want to say about your organization and, and what you guys are doing? Uh, our Music, My Body, out here in Chicago all the time. Uh, if, you're going to, <laughs> if you're going to music festivals, we are probably there, so say what's up to us. You're out Riot Fest will be there. Um, come make a button made by Busy Beaver Buttons. But um, we have a website, ourmusicmybody.tumblr.com. Um, we're on all the social medias. And you can follow us. And I think that's the best way to keep in touch with us. I think the, like, our mission of the organization is, or the campaign is to make people feel safe and comfortable at festivals. That everyone deserves to be able to go to a festival and not be harmed or bothered. Um, it's been interesting having this conversation today, talking about uh, sort of the celebrity aspect of like sexual violence. But like our music, my body is here to talk about sexual violence and violence that's happening between fans. Because while like maybe the Me Too movement hasn't fully enveloped the music scene it certainly is not being talked about from like the peer to peer relationships. And that's what we are like down, like be talking about in caring. I know that you guys are solution based. We kind of talked about that in the beginning of, of finding more solutions to these issues and how this problem is going to actually be solved, uh, which I don't know if you guys have anything that, that people can do uh, aside from volunteering with you, aside from being a part of the, the movement with you. Um, is there anything specifically you would say to people that they can do within their own lives, within uh, if they're at a festival and they see something uh, within their own communities? Uh, is there anything that you guys think that people should be doing now? 
Yeah. I mean, we come from a um, sort of restorative justice or like bystander intervention um, framework. Um, and all I mean by that is like, we feel, we really do feel that like, it's up to all of us to, um, hold each other accountable and to, um, say something if someone is being out of line or if someone is is invading someone's space and it's up to us to also support each other. Um, and so I feel like the, the best thing that you can do, the number one thing you can always do no matter what is believe survivors, believe people when they tell you that things have happened to them, that people have been grimy to them, believe them and like be there for them. But then, um, you know, step two, I guess, is to um, be willing to step up if you see and if it feels safe for you and you see someone being out, like stepping out of line um, or you see someone who's really uncomfortable, like feel like it is your job to to step up to them. Um, I was a bartender for a really long time. And it's just like, it can be as simple as just saying like, yo, dog, I don't think that person wants to talk to you. Like it's, it can be super easy. And like knowing that it is our responsibility as a community and especially thinking about music and like, again, growing up in a super, super teeny tiny DIY, DIY scene, um, Indianapolis, if you're wondering, um, <laughs> it's uh, very cool. Um, growing up in a super tiny DIY scene, it's like, I really like part of what I loved was the feeling of like, these are my people. Like I didn't, have punk people that went to my high school. I, my parents were not stoked on it. Like, so when I would go to shows, I was like, these are my people. This is my place. Right. And so like, take that to the next level and like, realize that, you know, it's also your job to keep that space, like safe from harm. And, um, you know, we all are responsible for that. Yeah. I think, um, on like the broader spectrum of things, I think what Maggie's saying is like fantastic. Like, their personal stuff and then like the outward focus is like ask your festival like what they're doing like ask like go to a training by a local nonprofit, like an anti-violence agency like we are always like promoting stuff but we're not like we don't have the money to like be doing all of the things so like look into what you can do to like go to a training or go to something cool time to wake up <laughs> yeah step one believe survivors step two show up for your community step three start asking questions <laughs> and show up for the folks who are doing the the work on the ground are there any uh venues or festivals that you guys work with pretty consistently that you want to like celebrate for what they've done or I don't know, maybe it's still like a work in progress with everybody. I mean, obviously no one is going to be, it, it's not solved yet. It's still something that we need to solve. But, um, you know, is there anybody that we want to say thank you to for the work that they've done in the music scene, uh, Chicago, else, elsewhere, locally or globally? <laughs> um, I think that all of the festivals that we work with know that there are more steps and we tell them like that it is not over. Um, but we love that we've that this is going to be our third year at Riot Fest. Um, so we like respect that they have valued us from day one. Um, Bee Kitchen and Subterranean, the folks at Kickstand Productions, uh, have really shown us a lot of love um, and have been there and have been willing to call us when something happens, which has been really nice. Um, the people at Lincoln Hall and Shubas, who are like the audio tree folks, 
um, have been really good to us recently. Um, oh yeah. Um, and so we are, so there are folks that are doing things. Um, we're excited to be at audio tree fest. It was wonderful to be at Firefly music festival in Delaware that they asked us to be there. Um, was really important. So those, um, are the pieces that we're sort of excited. And, um, on September 4th, Chuba's is hosting a benefit show for us that we had little to nothing to do with. They just oh, wow. decided to do it, um, which is tight. <laughs> uh, and um, other important uh, dates to keep in mind, we have our next volunteer training on September 26th. 20, September 26th and September 29th are our next volunteer training. So if you've listened to this and gotten real stoked, um, go on to any of our like Matt said, any of our social media or our website, and it has links to how to apply to be a volunteer. If you enjoyed our jokes, know that we <laughs> as individuals run the social media. So there's <laughs> plenty we got, we got more. more of them. <laughs> there's plenty more. Uh, so follow us for those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All of the, all the, the spaces that work with us. Um, I think a shift that's happened recently is that they've, they, it, it, it went from us being like, yo, pay attention where you have an issue and we want to help you to them really being more thoughtful and like trying to bring us in in a bigger way. Awesome. I'll make sure that we uh, in our show notes for the podcast and on our social media, we'll link to all of your stuff as well. Uh, just so everybody can find that information there as well. Um, yeah. If you have any final thoughts at all that you want to mention? Yeah, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming on out and having a really good discussion about something that I feel is still somewhat taboo to address to a certain extent with people. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Always happy. Let me say what's up. Yeah. If you see us at a show, come say hi. (laughs) If you want to shout out the podcast, that'd be tight. We'll pass that info along to you. (laughs) (laughs) I will Um, say that September 4th show, Rookie is playing and they slap. So you should definitely go for that other reason as well. And of course, to follow, and to, of course, to support our music, my body, but also rookie slaps. Good to know. I didn't know the term slap was a positive. It, it yeah. is. The song it is. slaps so or, much. Yeah. Listen. Are you going to go? I'm hoping I, I hope I can go. It depends on my work schedule. That's fair. Go to the show. We won't be there. We'll be watching. <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, there you go. Matt, Maggie, thank you so much for being on the Emo Social Club. And uh, see you around. Looks to camera. Throws up peace sign. Bye. <laughs>